my husband and I met almost 25 years ago, the night that Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson fought. And if you were alive then, you know what I'm talking about. That was the night that Mike Tyson bit Evander Holyfield's ear right? So this was 1997, I believe. And it was an exciting night, you know, and, 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 and that just happened to be the night that we met. So that causes me just to think about this idea that when professional fighters are fighting, you know, and they're boxing or wrestling or whatever they do, are they actually angry? Like, do they have to pump themselves up and feel that anger? I wonder if, if there's true anger involved or if they can just connect to the idea that it's a sport and it's nothing personal. Um, Mike Tyson that night kind of, <laughs> I guess, got out of hand and he made it personal with the bite on the ear. It's such an interesting night. You know, when we, when we typically fight with someone, um, it's because we're actually angry. And this leads to the sense of feeling out of control and whether we have a physical altercation or whether it's just a verbal aggression that happens, when we're angry, there is a sense of being out of control and feeling out of control. Anger actually technically means I need to make it stop. So anger is one of the big six negative emotions um, that was discovered that our, our right brain experiences in a, in a sixth of a second, in a flash of just a millimoment, uh, um, a, any type of um, stimulus can come into our environment whether we're getting cut off in traffic or it starts raining and we're outside for a walk or or whatever and that stimulus can create this sense of anger I need to make this stop and sometimes it's irrational it's like I can't do anything about it I'm not going to be able to make that thing stop but I still want to I'm still angry about it anger is, is self-protection oftentimes in therapy I am an EMDR therapist and oftentimes in therapy I'll say hey um you know, tell me more. Anger's not a good enough description. I, I need to know the more vulnerable emotion. So my name is Monica Mauer, and I am a licensed therapist, and I'm the the founder and um, director of the Center for Transformation. We exist, we are a program that exists in order to help you create connection in this lonely and disconnected world. Connection is not something that is easy, for us just to create, especially if we didn't see it modeled for us as a child. And oftentimes we are modeled by our parents' negative emotions and those then become emotions that we, um, that become a part of who we are as adults, that we tend to um, go into anger or go into sadness more easily because that's a thing. And so, if we are going to act like our best self in conflict, if we're not going to be aggressive or um, harm other people, it's because we are going to learn to tolerate that emotion of anger. We're going to learn to feel it, but not be overwhelmed or overcome by it. And, and, and that we'll be able to continue to be the person we want to be, even though things aren't going quite our way. So when we learn to tolerate anger, we can calm down our emotional response in any given situation and stay connected to rational mind. I am a DBT therapist as well as an EMDR therapist, um, trained in, in a lot of different therapies, but 
DBT is one that talks a lot about this concept of emotion mind versus rational mind. In emotion mind, it's more of a right brain experience, and it's, that's our subconscious. That's, our, that's where we feel our emotions, and it's hot. It's mood dependent. It's very connected to those um, negative emotions of anger, sadness, fear, shame, hopeless despair. And when someone is imbalanced in their right brain or their emotion mind, they can't really see their way out of that. And so if we want to keep our cool in the heat of a conflict, we need to be able to be more balanced between the emotion mind and the rational mind. Rational mind is more of a left brain experience, and that's cool, rational, task-focused. I oftentimes say our doctors and scientists are typically rational mind, and that's why we oftentimes will say, oh, that doctor doesn't have a good bedside manner, or they do have a good bedside manner. If they do have a good bedside manner, that means that they're more balanced between the left and the right hemispheres, balanced in emotion mind and rational mind. Because wise mind, according to DBT, is the ability to kind of connect with both rationale and emotion and live from this sweet spot right in the middle. The middle path is what we call it and live in a sense of wise mind. And so, you know, when I was learning to connect to my husband in our marriage, I was learning to fight fair, learning to, um, you know, instead of just when we were, you know, early in marriage, I was somewhat manipulative and sometimes I would cry just to manipulate the situation. Wink, wink. Like I actually did that. Right. And then, um, and then as I grew, um, I began to realize that crying or just debating about things was actually a pretty negative way um, of just manipulating and trying to convince him of my side. So when I went to school for therapy and started learning just to be better at what I, what, what I, um, how I presented myself in our marriage, what happened was I started to actually listen to him and pendulate into his perspective. So this was a really amazing thing that happened in our marriage and it took a long time to learn. In fact, what happened was I began to pendulate into um, listening to him, hearing what he had to say, and that took a lot longer. I wasn't going to get my way right away. It was something that was going to take a lot of time and and effort and and so what ended up happening was I would sit with him in the conversation and recognize that he was feeling intense emotion and it wasn't just about me it was also about what he was feeling and that was a mature way to dialogue with him in these conversations and so what would happen is we would sit on the porch I remember specifically sitting on the porch going back and forth in our conversation with each other and listening and verbalizing validating what he had to say and then going into what I had to say as well. So it wasn't just about him, but it was about me as well and learning to, to love each other well. So I actually have three points to point out. If you want to stay cool in the heat of conflict, what you have to do 
is, uh, is, is three things. One is you have to learn how to self-soothe. And so I'm not sure if you can see that. The sun is coming in. To self-soothe means that I can sit and I can be with my other person. They may be feeling intense emotion, but I can feel, I can feel their emotion with them without getting overwhelmed myself. I can stay in a place of soothing myself and um, calming down my energy system. You know, if I can't calm the body, I can't calm the soul. And so it's really important for me to calm down my body, soothe my body so that my soul can be calm as well. And I can stay connected, keep my relational way of being um, paramount while we're having this tough conversation. And then the next thing to do is to be able to pendulate into my partner's, um, my partner's sense of uh, awareness. What are they going through? And then what am I going through? So I want to be able to feel what they feel, then feel what I feel, and go back and forth between those two things. Um, not denying my own emotion, but being able to relate to what they are going through as well. It's very, very important. And then the last thing that's so important is just having a sense of awareness. I need to be aware of what's going on outside of myself and inside of myself. What's happening in my emotions? What's happening outside myself? Am I, am I getting overwhelmed? Do I need to self-soothe right now? And those three things really will help you stay cool in the heat of conflict so that you really can get to the end of the conversation and resolve it for yourself and for your partner. So it's so important, you know, in therapy when I talk to couples, I say to them, hey, you know, you argue, but do you get to a place of resolve? That's so important. If you cannot resolve the conflict, then you cannot be at peace with one another. And oftentimes couples will go through their whole marriage and not ever come to a place of resolve. So if you want to love one another and be loved by one another and have satisfying relationships, it's important to learn to stay cool in the heat of a conflict and live out your life um, in joyful connection.